that it's okay if you feel insecure, fear, doubt. Everyone feels that. Taking action, you can take action despite feeling that. You are brave when you feel fear. You take courage. You are courageous when you feel fear. Like, I'm afraid of many things. Like, this summit has kept me up. I'm like, what if it fails and we're doing this very publicly, but I'm and we're, I'm making this ruckus about it. What if it fails? When I was a teenager, this would stop me. Like the idea of failing, of failing in front of other people would stop me. And now it's something that I'm like, I could still do it, but I can deal with that failure emotionally. So I would tell my 16 year old self to like, I would share a kind of story which would help him see that it's okay to take action when you're afraid because that's the definition of bravery, you dumb On this week's episode of Establishing Your Empire, I host Moby Hyatt. Moby is a very talented content creator that has co-created the Online First Summit, which is a virtual conference with 70 plus speakers that will cover everything from how to create an online business or how to move your current company online to acquiring customers, as well as adapting and expanding an online first model. I'm very proud and honored to be speaking on the first day, May 11th. This episode is great for anyone that wants to get in front of the camera and create more content, or simply wants to expand and build new revenue streams. You're listening to the Establishing Your Empire show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs, creatives, and future business owners to pursue their passions, grow their organizations, and build their empire. My name is Darren Herman, and creatively, I'm best known for my photography. But business-wise, my claim to fame is growing a company from 15K per month in online sales to breaking the $1 million a month barrier. And I'm sitting down with interesting people to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and how they have established their empires. All right, Moby. Thank you so much for being on my podcast here. Um, kind of the AKA not that Moby, right? So yep. why don't you uh, start off and give us, you know, maybe a little background of who you are and uh, what you do. Absolutely. So I, I like to say that I basically just talk on the internet. Immigrant to the US since 2010. I started working at Dell in 2014. My hopes of uh, being an entrepreneur got crushed by the government in 2014. Waited five years uh, while building a podcast, while doing stuff for free, and uh, got my green card in 2019. Started at Capital Factory as the accelerator manager. Got laid off uh, in March 2020 because of COVID. And now here we are. The biggest themes I think that people correlate with me is number one, being an immigrant in the US and not being able to legally start a business while I was in college in the US while working for Dell. And then making a lot of content around podcasting, live streaming, entrepreneurship, content creation in general. That's helped me take me where I am today, wherever the hell that is. <laughs> well, like, well, I think it's very interesting. So you were here for like nine years before you got your green card. Is that correct? Is that the right math? That is the right math. That yes. is insane. So you went to UT and even have your MBA from McCombs, uh, which, is, which is at UT as well. Worked at Dell and still no green card. So maybe what's it, give me the short overview of like what that process was like to get a green card. Yeah. So not so I was when I came to the U.S. from Pakistan when I was eighteen, nineteen, and twenty ten. It was I. You can't get a green card when you're a student. You just can't. You have to go go from a student visa, which is usually four or four and a half years. Then you would a work visa. And then that's at least three and a half years until you can actually get a green card. So mine was, I was student for four years, four and a half, joined Dell. I took the first job I got. So I was like, they're going to get me my visa. Hell yeah, please. Oh my God. And then that was three and a half, four years of waiting on top of it just to get the green card because I went through two student visas, two work visas applied and luckily before you know immigration to the u.s stopped i yeah, was right. able to get my green card and it was this long process of waiting and applications and waiting and hoping that the world will not end man that's insane so one of the reasons why i do have you on here and i just it was a kind of a side story because i have no idea what that process is like so you've created this online for online first summit 
and I'm a part of it. I'm very excited to be a part of it, by the way. Um, so give us the, like, the overview of why you did this summit and what's it about. Absolutely. So I working as the accelerator manager for a capital factory, Mars 2020 happened. In Austin, South by Southwest got canceled. Poof. A lot of revenue for the company went away. Q2, Q3 events, bond ship out the window. Co-working, a huge chunk of that revenue. Poof, no one wants to sit next to each other. The company's revenue basically went down huge amounts, and they let go of 50% of the, of the workforce. Now, I was in this space where I was seven months after my green card that I could legally start something. I'd been doing things on the side. I had a course. I had some coaching, I had a micro-conference, had some paid workshops, and I told myself one day I will have enough savings, have enough courage, and have enough know-how to go out on my own. When I got laid off, after a day or two of processing, I realized what I really care about is digital content, digital businesses, digital products, and there's a trend right now that that's the only thing people can do. That's the only revenue they can add on. And what if I match my desire, which was supposed to be in the future, to the moment right now and help people build out digital revenue, get customers purely through online uh, channels, and build a business that if social distancing comes back again, they won't crumble. And we're, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, right. So what I was going to interject there is not only just uh, if, you know, a COVID-like pandemic happens again, but for me... Like, look, we all need to get online anyway. This is just expedited that. And it has shown some weaknesses for some companies. And so there's going to be a lot of winners and losers here. And I I don't know about you, but I want to be on the winner side when this comes out. And I'm lucky that I am an online guy. I've always loved online ever since forever, ever since I I could be online. I was, hey, I can make money. I could sell this. I can sell to somebody across the the world, right? Um, And so... For me, and we do a lot of online consulting and as well as building websites, e-commerce stores, social media, all that all the, all the online stuff for our clients. We, we're, we're getting a surge of people, even that's been kind of doing it, wanting to go do a lot more of it. Or for people that are not doing it at all, they're like, they're freaking out. But they're, you know, they know that it's not a, well, that's a cool thing. It's like, no, that's how you could do business right now. Absolutely. I think... That, you know, there's been, I wouldn't say a trend, but this move to online, whether you're doing e-commerce and you're selling products that you used to in retail online, whether you're building a brand and using that to get clients outside of networking, whether you're just posting on Instagram, I see a lot of people doing their life coaching, their general coaching, they're getting clients for services through online. But now it's like, we kind of have to, I'm not, without this, that have to, might not have happened for a while, but now we kind of have to operate online because there's no other choice. And from our side, we want to kind of help people with that gap. And honestly, dude, I don't know everything at all. That's why we're having 60, 70 people do it. And I think it's an interesting time where there's going to be some time-based trends, which time-based surges. Oh, a virtual uh, conferencing software. Yes, doing great, doing great. But the trends that will come out of this in three, four, five years that we can't imagine, that's interesting to me. And I have no idea what those are going to be. Yeah. And I love that. It's like, Hey, and I I would like, I would say some of the stuff that I don't know about either. That's, what's great that you have this, this massive group of people, 60, 70 speakers that are going to cover a wide range. And that's the great thing about the internet is the shared knowledge that can happen and very quickly. Walk me through because I know you kind of have a plan on the setup of, I don't know whether it's day-based or whatever, but mm-hmm. you kind of have this structure that you've talked about on some of your online videos. Maybe walk me through the structure of the summit, right? Absolutely. We've broken it down into, well, first off, our first name was horrible. It was called, oh shit, COVID-19 happened. Now what? <laughs> and I called a bunch of people and they said, that's horrible. So I we took in the niche of we're not going to solve this whole big problem. We're going to go into digital. And what do people really need to figure out when they're going into a digital, digital business model and being like, what do I do now? So we had four days that we had planned and we broke down uh, a day by each track. So it's one track per day. Day one is all about 
deep diving into digital business models. How are people currently operating the back end of their businesses? How does a membership site work? How does a course business work? How does e-commerce work? How is the shift from retail to online going? Just deep diving into how these businesses operate so people can have a structure in their heads. Day two is all about how do I get customers online? Whether that's social, that's through ads, that's through community online, that's through LinkedIn, that's through content, how to get customers. And day three and four are, day three is how are people currently pivoting so that I feel represented like, oh, someone like me is kind of pivoting and doing this thing. That's day three. And day four is kind of like our fun day, which is preparing for an unknown future. So we have a bunch of panels talking about is what happens if social distancing comes back again? What's the future going to be in three months, three years, six years? Nobody knows. And that's kind of our fun day to end it all. Yeah, I love it. I think there's so much to be taken away from there. And I'll be excited to, to listen to other people's panels to see what they talk about. So, okay, what about you? What's, what's, what's your, you're going to have this great summit. Uh, then what, what's your plan? Like, what do you see yourself, you know, coming out of COVID? Like, what, what do you think you're going to be doing? Great question. So <laughs> what we're building, I, I am fully aware of what we're building is a product. Like Online for a Summit is a product and we have to make a business, right? And this is just going to be one of the products that we make. I, ha- I started coaching two, three months ago about content because in college, I was not confident, had no self-esteem, didn't really want to put myself in places over time through like purposely putting myself out of my comfort zone, doing improv comedy, going out, being social, trying podcasting, trying live streaming, trying video and actually enjoying it. I build this process of, okay, this is how you kind of get over the fear of making content and putting your face out there. So I started coaching on that. Since the layoff, I got a few more coaching clients. Somebody's talking to me about consulting and I'm trying to figure out if we should make a managed a professional services firm, professional service, services firm, which helps people make content, whether it's individuals or companies. And I'm really trying to figure out what, how do I position it so that it's a pain and not a want because it's an economic crisis right now. A lot of people aren't opening their wallets. How do I position that, those services and the ability to make content and talk to your customers in a way that's valuable? People are like, yes, we cannot um, go without it. And, and, the, and, and a lot of people ask me questions like that because I do a lot of consulting. And usually my answer would be, if you were actually asking that question, and I know it's rhetorical for yourself, but is your customers are going to tell you this. You just got to keep doing it you're not going to probably have that answer by thinking in your room. You're going to have to, you're going to have the answers with more people you help and touch. And you're going to figure out where that sweet spot is the more you do. Right. So anyway, that's my two cents about that. Oh, the super (laughs) useful. I agree. Like how this conference changed. It was me basically be on calls, being on calls and being like, is this good? Is this bad? And uh, so you're hundred percent right. So I, I have a kind of question that you touched upon there. So a lot of people want to be more online as their personal brand even. So they want to maybe create some, let's, let's, let's just say, let's role play a little bit. Say that they're a real estate agent, right? Mm-hmm. And they 100%, I believe, and I have some real estate clients that you got to be like doing live streaming. You got to be out there. Personal brand is everything. But a lot of them are just nervous or scared. How do you how do you tell somebody like that to how to get, get them started, right? To create some video content. Yes. So the foundation of it is not to, this is horrible. (laughs) The foundation of it is not to first make think I have to make the boring same. Sorry if I curse shit, which is I sold a house. Look at this. Look at this. A lot of people market it as buy from me, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. And what we're trying to do when we do that is show that we're valuable and that I, as a real estate agent, can help you because I'm telling you, I don't think it works like that because we see 5,000 ads a day and I see ads which promise the world by people who are making so much money. They're respected. And I say, BS, BS, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You're not for me. You're not for me. You're not for me. But when I see any kind of vulnerability or a story or that person showing how they help somebody else. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. They've got me on a hook. So if it's a real estate agent, I would be like, show yourself as you deliver value. So 
as you're talking to clients, record an interaction and record an interaction of you walking them through a house and just point the camera yourself and show, hey, this is the kind of questions those people can answer because you're showing yourself, showing value to other people. Record how you work. Like go and live stream something weird. Like you're in your car driving up to the house. You're like, this is the kind of ways that I'm thinking about. Educate your um, people about what, get into their head like, what questions do people have? Not that question, what real estate agent do I go for? That's not really the question they have. The question is, how do I finance? How do I make sure that I find the right house for me? How can I make sure that I find something that I can afford? And how do I not get, uh, how do I get the right house? Start answering fear, those questions. Some fear questions too, you know, that a lot of people are scared right now, you know? Yeah. So I love that. To, to break down, I think what you said there, what some of my takeaways were, you know, provide value, don't just show off. Nobody's paying attention. And then also, yeah. I think record the process. It sounds like, you know, I think some of that, and I think that's one of the things that people miss is they try to come up with this full, amazing solution. They're going to like, you know, write out a whole list of things to talk about. And sometimes it's like, just show me the behind the scenes a little bit. Show me what yeah. you're doing. Sh- sh- tell, tell me about the, what you're thinking. You know, it doesn't have to be a perfect presentation. Um, okay. So I want to dive a little deeper into this. What yes, about yes. like literally, so I love that. So I, I think now that that's the foundation of what you should be doing. What about actually like getting in front of the camera and turning it on? Like, cause you do a good job of just creating content on a regular basis. How does somebody get over that hump? Yes. I did not get over it super quickly. It took a long time. I, I bought my first lights in 2015 or 2016. It's been long. I haven't used them, by the way, in a video ever. But it's taking the tiniest step possible that you can and repeating it until it comes very easily to you. So if you, you want to actually make a three-minute video showing something or talking about something specific, I would make it an Instagram story first and talk for 10 seconds, or if I'm scared to do that too, take a photo of yourself and write it out and do that so that it's, it becomes this thing of photo, taking a photo of yourself and posting that value is easy. I mean like, okay, I'm going to post a three second video or a 10 second video. I'm just going to say, Hey guys, this is what I'm talking about and post it. And over time, uh, inoculate yourself against that fear. It, I, I don't want to say just go do it because that's just weird advice. It is not helpful. I would say it's take the smallest step and repeat until that step is so boring. You're like, I want to do something new. And from that, you go to, you could take a time lapse. You could make a talking head video, live streaming, and over time become this thing where it doesn't scare you as much. I, I love it. I, I do think baby steps is a great way. And just start, you know, whether it's like you said, I think I, I love that takeaway of, Hey, look, take a picture, make a list, write it out. And then shorter, short video, a little longer video, a little longer video, because you will get more comfortable. One of the reasons why I did this podcast is literally just a one network and two, become a better listener and three, uh, get myself more accustomed to be on the other side of the camera. I've had a uh, photo and video company since 2009. So I'm really comfortable on the other side of the camera. But uh, so, okay, what about, all right. We have this foundation. Now we were finally comfortable of getting in front of the camera. How do you maximize that? Because I, I see your videos. I haven't followed you for a very long t- period of time, but you're kind of, you pop up a lot. So, you know, any tips or tricks there, how to maximize the exposure actually after you've recorded that video? After you record the video? Yeah. Like, you know, posting it, like I, you know, like anything that you, that you see that actually works or any value that you have of somebody that like finally got over the hump of hit and record, but now how do they do it? Like where, where is yep. it better, better? I, you know, I see some captions there. I see a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, I don't know, uh, maybe get, I'll let you take it from there. Awesome. Perfect. So uh, after recording the video, the three things which are optional, but you can slowly work yourself up to. Number one is just music, which you can get for free on YouTube music library. So much great music. Oh my God. I use hip hop music as a background and I love it. I can like jam out to it. Um, Subtitles, which you can hire out if you want, but definitely not necessary. You can do that later. And number three is, which is comes on later is cuts, which is if I'm talking and there's pauses, 
I should probably cut the pauses because we have the attention spans of a hamster. <laughs> TikTok is going to kill everything, every social platform in a while. So I think we're used to 10 second videos and it's got to be fast. But when it comes to posting the video, I think it's not outright saying it's writing copy, which has some emotion. For example, I just promoted the summit today through a dramatic, really dramatic ass video. And we really talked about the summit. But in the copy, I shared the story of I didn't live through the the dot-com bubble. I wasn't here when the 08 recession happened. I was on the other side of the world when 2001 happened. And this is the first time I'm going through this. And this is why we're doing it. So communicating why and the story of something in your caption, which is slightly relevant to the video, hits two points. It allows somebody to read your stuff because they're going to do that a little bit before watching the video. It allows you to tell us two separate stories and also write down your test out your copy. Because sometimes people don't care what your video is and they'll write or just read your copy. And that's what I'm testing out right now. Copy, which is story and vulnerability and just music edits, music cuts and subtitles for videos. It's great. So I, I do, do see you have this uh, two week content boot camp, right? So, you know, the stuff we're talking about right now, is that kind of similar to what you guys do or maybe give me an overview of what that is? Yes. Two week content boot camp was, I basically dumped everything I knew about making content into this course, which, uh, which is in 10 days and it goes through live streaming, live streaming, uh, Canva time lapses, what to share, how to share it, how to make a personal brand, how to network, how to host events and dumped everything. And our goal, my goal, the course is great value, but it's positioned badly. hundred percent. I haven't even tried to sell it three months after I made it, but that that's horrible marketing, but it's true because it's not the signature course that we're doing. It was something we built. And I think it's immense value and teaches people all the skills but it's too wide it fits and it's too broad. We're trying to like nail it down. But I honestly, one of my biggest passions and right now is helping people make more stuff online and just be present and have fun with it. I mean, how is your, how has your journey been with podcasting? Oh, um, it's, it's been way above and beyond anything that I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, right. I have like uh, 22 countries listening to me, which is crazy. And, and it's not a massive number of people, which I never, I don't care about the numbers here. But most importantly, like, let's just say that I had five listeners. I'd be so happy if they were active listeners. But the biggest thing has been meeting interesting people that are doing interesting things. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like extremely exciting. And then I'll get like these random people, right? That will make a comment or send me a message that I, that probably haven't liked a post ever or anything like that. And it's very interesting to, to know that you get to reach all these, every, everyone everywhere. I mean, not everyone, obviously, but. I don't know. It's just been this, the negative thing is only time and mm -hmm. it's time well spent. Um, I, I'm and before COVID, I had a, a lot of a momentum and it did back me up a little bit, but again, and it's so funny cause it's almost eating my own words with, you know, e-commerce wise, I'm, t you know, yelling at people to get online, but I was not doing virtual podcasts. Mm. And I think because I wanted to control, I'm, I am somebody that has the problem with perfection a little bit. I wanted to control everything, have really good video set up, multiple camera angles, the mm -hmm. whole nine yards. But what's great about this is eventually I was going to have to do it anyway. To get a bigger and bigger guest, they're not coming to you. Like, it's just not happening. So it's forced me out of that, um, that initial comfort zone that I built for myself, right? Um, but it, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it doing anything that you have to do on a regular basis. This is released every Wednesday. So I'm forced to do it, forced to line people up, forced to get in front of the cameras, turn the mics on and rock and roll. Um, so I guess my next question would be, um, you, so I, actually let's, let's talk about the fire show. So I, I, we'll go with that direction since we're talking about podcasting. So you're like 60 yes. episodes in something like that and started 2015, somewhere in that vicinity. Is that, is that right? Yes, I started podcasting because the government gave me no choice. And that means because it, you, couldn't, you couldn't take revenue from a business. I could not generate revenue from a business. And I did the only thing I could, content. That, that's awesome. So even back then, you, you basically said, 
I know I can't make money here, but I'm still going to do something. Yeah. I, I, I would just, I, I worked a Dell and I enjoyed it, but I just, it wasn't enough. And why do you think that is that you still was going to do a podcast with no financial gains ever? Like literally know that you can't make money. Yeah. Oh, but I had that idea. I didn't, I didn't even know that podcast made money at that time. I was like, that's just some people did. A, a big thing of it was I had the inkling of a personal brand, what it could be. And then the fact that I could actually use this time to learn from people and like be like, okay, this is how you start a business. When I'm able to legally do it, I can take that and use it. And why not share it? And I've one thing is when I build something, whether that's a website or a summit, it's just, I'm this, you might feel this too in a different way, but it drives this sense of accomplishment and honestly, esteem and competence, which we all strive for. I mean, if I do something and I get some good results, I feel competent and I do that more and more. And just building things for no money made me feel competent because that's the only thing I could legally do. And I just chased that feeling, to be honest. That's, that's great. So what about so you moved here in 2010, right? Has your life turned out so far in the U.S. how you thought it would? Like, what was your kind of perception and, and reality? Yeah. Well, the first thing is, it's true that in America, everybody has red solo cups. What the hell? I thought that was just a movie thing. <laughs> wait, um, wait, till you, wait till you go to the Midwest. I'm from Kansas. There's definitely a lot of red solo cups there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um I honestly didn't think I would be in the U.S. so long, which was my plan for the first three, three and a half years in college was I'm going to go back home and I'm going to work for, with my dad or do this. My mom was starting a business back home at that time. I was like, I can help her. My family was in politics. My brother wanted to go into politics. I was like, I'll just go help this family structure. But it's that stupid thing that comes when you build something and you feel good. I built a small website in college. That was dope. Fundraise an organization. That was fun. Found a job at Dell. That was fun. And then built the podcast. And that was fun. And that just kept like pulling me here. The fact that I can build things so easily, get in the hands of people so fast and get feedback. And I'm connected with these entrepreneurship people who care about building things. It just sucked me in, man. And my life is, I, I had no expectations. But yeah, yeah, I definitely see how that happens. And so, uh, and an, uh, another segue kind of, you've, you were at Capital Factory, which is a lot of startups are there. It's a cool co working space. You've done some um, kind of an advisor to a bunch of, uh, I guess, doing pitch events and stuff like that. Pitch maybe, coaching. yeah, pitch coaching, excuse me. Um, to walk, well, maybe give us some advice there. Like when, when you did some of the pitch coaching, what was some help that you would give somebody ready to pitch, right? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things is, I have to tell this because people feel really bad when I sit down with them. It's okay for somebody who has an idea not to have the messaging clear. Because when you have an idea, you have a thousand ways it could be. There's a whole past of why it happened. There's things going on right right there. And it's okay to be like, I don't have the perfect pitch. It's okay to have somebody help you out. Uh, The real thing is, there's only three things that matter in any kind of pitch, I feel like. Number one, People understand what you're doing, like they get it, which is who's your market, who's your problem, what's your solution. Number two, they believe that the problem you're solving is big enough for that market and your solution can actually solve it, which is they get that there's value in this and there's a market opportunity. And number three, it's they feel like you are the person or the team who can do it. So if they understand who your problem, what your problem is, your market your solution, and then, oh, you're solving it in a way that actually can be solved and people can make money as investors, as partners, or they will be customers. Why are you like, I'm not the only one doing a summit. I don't know. There's probably 85 summits going on in Austin in May. But why would someone come to our summit? Why would someone bet on us if they were investing us? And telling that story is the way we do it. I And I love pitch coaching. It's been really rewarding and like, Watching somebody win live on stage $360,000, when I helped them, it was like, whoa, we screamed a lot that night. That was dope. <laughs> I think we're getting a common theme here. Like, you know, and, and I, I feel like I'm quite, I'm so, somewhat similar in this way, but this theme is, is you get real excited 
uh, being involved and helping, giving back and helping people and getting around them. Um, so, okay, you got the summit you're, happening and it's crazy because you're throwing this together in like a month. Walk me through oh my an, uh, a normal day in your life right now. Huh. Uh, so today, well, so do, do you know the program called 75 Hard? No, I do not. So uh, that's just quick context. 75 Hard is a 75-day program made by Andy Frisilla, and it's a mental discipline challenge. It is uh, five rules a day, two 45-minute workout, workouts. One of them has to be outside, so weights and walking, gallon of water a day, a progress photo, no cheap meals, and then 10 pages of a nonfiction book. I did that twice. So I'm also kind of informally doing it right now. So currently my, this week is wake up, shove a lot of food in my mouth, think about what I have to get done, look at my email. And then an hour later, the first interview starts. I do that. I focus on somebody for a while uh, and then go work out more interviews, could do the second workout, which is basically walking, check my email, do this, talk with my team, go and interview somebody else, pop on this podcast and then hop on a call with somebody from Australia and then take an hour long break and then do the back end of this to make sure everything moves around. So it's not ideal this week, but usually I feel as if this is, I'm just more creative in the mornings. So I'm looking forward to having my days back. And are you like an early morning riser or what, what time do you usually get up? Us. I was going to say seven, but right now it's a lie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, look, look, man, I, I'm like eight forty five, so don't worry. Oh, that's perfect. So, cause yeah. I, I, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm definitely, I'm a night owl. So like that's sometimes my, my best work is yeah. Like 9 PM till like one in the morning. Oh yeah. That nobody can bother you. I don't have to answer any emails, no phone calls. I think it's very common for the, a lot of uh, high producers or the 4.30 a.m. people. It's the same concept of really, and I just don't have, I, I, you know, I'm married, but, but I don't have a family. So I think I'm able to do that. That might switch when I have some kids or something. So um, obviously COVID is probably, might be the answer to this one, but why, how did this project begin? So I, I know you got laid off. So this, by the way, you have a crazy day for somebody who just got laid off. So if people are just got laid off from their jobs, they got no excuse after listening to this, they should be rocking and rolling like you, but like you could do a million things. Why, why'd you start the summit? Great question. So we got, I got laid off in a 95 person call where 45 people got laid off through an email while you were on a call. So boom, goodbye. Um, and the first thing I did was I, I, I opened up my expenses and I was like, cut, 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 cut. Cause my first reaction was panic. I walked to my, uh, apartment leasing office and said, Hey, I got laid off. I don't know when I can next pay rent. Right. Cause I was like, I just want to put that in their heads. And I came back, I made a video about it. That was the first thing I did. Made a video about it. Did not post it. Cause I didn't want my parents to know I got laid off off Facebook. That would be rude. And then I just processed it, talked to a few friends, really didn't, and just thought about what to do. But when I posted that video, because I had, I wanted to post it two, three hours later, but time difference in Pakistan, couldn't post it. My mom said, wait. So I was like, eh. Posted the video and said, I'm laid off. People start hitting me up. How? Oh, by the way, I have a, this contract work. Oh, uh, do you want to talk next week? Do you want to do this? One person said, hey, do you want to help me with my online summit? And I was like, sure, send me the link. This is at 10 p.m. at night. I look at the link. I recognize the platform that it's being made on. And I had wanted to do an online summit for a year, but never had the time to do it. And I thought, oh, my God, I can do an online summit. Purely emotional, purely reactive, and like this combination of the now and this idea before. And very like instant, like, oh, my God, we need to do an online summit. It's the perfect time. And that was it. I wish I could tell you it was an epiphany, but it was like, like that. No, so. I think it's great. I mean, a lot of, a lot of times you had a high energy and emotional deal and, and an opportunity like that, that, that. That's how all of our big stuff almost happens, right? Yeah. Us thinking it in a corner and writing stuff down sometimes works, but typically, typically that's not the way it works. Right. So what does, um, for you didn't answer this for the summit or you can answer this any way you wish, but what does uh, success look like for you? That's it. That's a great question. 
I think success for me means that I get to do what I want and not have to worry about things that I don't need to. For example, success for sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, oh, have this fancy car, have this beautiful house on the lake. But it's honestly, if I can afford to, it's a Tuesday. And if I work at whatever company for myself, if nine to two, I decide I'm not going to do, I'm not going to answer any calls. I'm just going to work on creative stuff and I can hang out with my family and I don't have to worry about the bills. And I know the revenue is still coming on from the business. I'm good. Like I, if I decide next week, I want to go with some planning. I want to go on a trip. I don't have to worry about the company not being able to run because I have competent partners or somebody else who's helping me. And if I want to just take off and be in Pakistan for a month, I can be like, oh, I work a digital business. So I don't have to worry about having to be in one place. Honestly, like before this, it was dreams of, you know, the stupid articles, 28 year old raises 50 million, 35 year old sells business for 250 million. It's all crap. And it's a lot of status seeking, which in the entrepreneurship world, there can be in, in the content world, especially if you're making video, there hundred percent can be, and it's hard to be honest with yourself, but that's my definition. And I'm hoping it doesn't change. I hope I can still afford a Lamborghini, but I don't, I hope I don't buy it if, if I do. Yeah. The difference is, uh, the choice there, but I think, uh, you know, time is that resource that is not something you can recreate like money. So, you know, it sounds to me that if you want to be able to be the owner of your time and, and create content at, uh, when you want to, as opposed to being forced sometimes, or, you know, to me, I'm very similar. So like, if I, if I was at a spot career wise to where I could just do a ton of like make travel videos, you know, that's one mm-hmm. of my favorite things to do. Uh, my wife and I, we, we make some cool ones. That could be the probably that's like the best weeks, right? You know, yeah. going to a cool place and making and being super creative. Like that's, and I get my best ideas when I'm doing that because your mind frees up a little bit and doesn't worry about, you know, your 150 tasks you have to do. Yeah. You have space. Yeah. Space. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give your 16 year old self? Like you're in Pakistan, you're 16. <laughs> what, what, what advice would you give yourself now that you're, you know, 10 years older, I guess it is. Or oh so. My God. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't give him much advice. I'd just be like, yeah, well, 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 one thing I would share with him, it wouldn't be advice, but I would probably find the right story to share this principle that it's okay. If you feel insecure, fear, doubt, everyone feels that taking action, you can take action despite feeling that you are brave. When you feel fear, you take courage. You are courageous when you feel fear. Like I'm afraid of many things like this summit has kept me up. I'm like, what if it fails and we're doing this very publicly, but I'm, and we're, I'm making this ruckus about it. What if it fails? When I was a teenager, this would stop me. Like the idea of failing, of failing in front of other people would stop me. And now it's something that I'm like, I could still do it, but I can deal with that failure emotionally. So I would tell my 16 year old self to like, I would share a kind of story which would help him see that it's okay to take action when you're afraid. Because that's the definition of bravery, you dumb fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> um, what about any mentors around the, uh, along the way? Books, videos, anything that's kind of helped you along your journey? Yes. Um, it's been... Stoicism has been really helpful. Such a douchey thing to say. Oh, my uh, I know, right? But uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a, you know, I got Marcus Aurelius on my Kindle, you know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm there, man. I think it's, you know, one of the things is when we talk about uh, kind of a hierarchy of needs, you know, when a lot of those needs are met, you start thinking about like, how can I calm my brain? How can I calm my life? How can I take more control of my thoughts? So it, it, it is so powerful. So I still, yep. I still agree with it. I still agree with it too, but you know, every tech dude has like uh, Marcus Relius on his Kindle. Like I do too. I, I probably have the daily story there, which is dope. Ryan Holiday's books, Ego oh. is the Enemy, Obstacle is the Way, Daily Stoic, some of his uh, other stuff, just his podcast, super helpful in just figuring out 
you are the owner of your world. You can't influence everything, but your choices are the biggest thing. That's really helped um, the book Traction, uh, which is not the operations book, but the marketing book, Blue Cover. It talks about all the different ways you can get traction. Super useful. And then Gary Vaynerchuk's loudmouthedness, assholeness is fantastic. I love that guy. Uh, but- oh, I've always enjoyed him. Crush it, man. That was... That would, that would, I, love, I have that, that, I've read that book like four times and it's all marked up. I mean, I just have like, that's back before Kindle days, you know, and I got like a, a chicken scratch all over it. Oh yeah. I, I love that guy. But there's so many local people who are amazing too. Honestly, so many fantastic mentors here. So what about any regrets so far? No, not really. It's probably could have started working out more earlier. That's really it. Uh, probably, this is going to sound super horrible. Probably been more confident with women before. I don't regret my other choices because I feel as if, like, I, I made them in and we're here. I, I got laid off and I think it's the best thing that happened to me this year. And I think I, I'll ha- I am who I am just like you because of the tough times that we've seen, the crises, the pain, the triumphs, the punches. In the gut. So I'm curious about your answer to that question. Uh, regrets? Um, so I got, I got a couple of them. You know, I, I worked for a large company and, and I, I do regret. Uh, so they, they, I worked for Air Electronics and I was their director of e-commerce. And I stayed there too long because it was really demoralizing creatively for me. And mm. I really wish I wouldn't have done that. That's my like kind of go-to answer. But it was only two years of my life. But, you know, and it wasn't terrible. Um I also regret, I think that I've spent a lot of effort and time on and worked really hard on probably small stuff, mm. meaning and it gave me great experience in, uh, in kind of knowing a lot of things about businesses. And so really to make that point uh, nice and short is I, I did a lot of hard work on small business stuff. Mm. Um, and I still get that way. I, so so I, I need to broaden that out on a more consistent basis. Because here's the thing, we're all going to, like, you're the type of person to definitely, just talking to you here, but this is how I am. I'm going to work extremely hard no matter what. So Mm -hmm. that energy could, should, I wish some of those years were placed in a little bit more of a scalable, Mm -hmm. more impactful, more uh, affect more lives than I did. But then again, it gave me a great experience. So I don't completely regret it, but. Um, looking forward, because I think that question is more, what should I do in the future? It, it, that's my answer for my future, right? Is, mm. you know, how can I uh, impact way more people um, on a daily basis, right? Oh, yeah. So um, what about, what's, what's, a, what's a favorite memory? Uh, you could take it from just the summit or you take the, the fire. I would, the fire show is probably a great place to take it, like a favorite memory that's happened or any place you want to take it. Uh, great question. Uh, this is one of my, this is one of my personal realizations about content and marketing, especially when it comes to personal brand. Uh, this was 2019. This is three years after the podcast where I'd been sharing my journey, um, building it, interviewing the mayor, director of South by Southwest, doing this, 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 this. And it was all like, oh, I'm podcasting because I can't make money outside. When I got the green card... I posted about it, right? Uh, I, I made a whole dr- dramatic thing. I post, I made a video with subtitles and dramatic music when it, the letter came, when I was at the office. It was just fun. I got it and I posted it. And I got a bunch of comments, right? From friends and family and just people I knew. And one person commented, oh, thank God that soap opera is over. And this was a friend. And no, no, no. And, and I know how he meant it because he had gone through the same exact thing. And it clicked in me that I was marketing my journey to obtain this one thing. And if I build a business that I want to sell to people, all I have to do is make content about the journey of it and make it a soap opera. Like our content marketing for the summit, somebody's handling the Instagram and just killing it. But my other content is just a soap opera about it. It's dramatic. It's a little exaggerated. And it's fun and it's not that serious. Uh, and that's the biggest, one of my best memories. I'm glad that person commented because that just made it like, oh, I'm going to make everything a soap opera. 
Yeah, I think documenting more than creating one, it's easier. You don't have to come up with this huge, you know, idea structure. And it yeah. also is, it's almost what can make you have an advantage over like say a large company or a large, um, you know, conference people that have been around for 10 years. They can't tell this story that you're telling now, yeah. you know, uh, in documenting the journey, I think people become, they go along with you during the journey, right? Which, which is a lot of fun. Um, so, all right, let, 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 let's, let's talk about, um, I, I still want to talk a little bit about startups and I don't know how deep in the world that you've been, but what, maybe, cause I think this is something that maybe that you're, you're going to do in the future is what advice would you give with somebody that has maybe an idea and wants to run with, start create, whether it's creating a business, start talking about online about it, start creating content. How can they network with people, wherever you want to take it. But basically somebody has an idea and they want to, they want to do something with it, whether it's a startup or even just uh, a personal thing, right? Yes. So I got into the startup world through three day startup, which is a three day program surprise about entrepreneurship that they run for students. One of the things they do is they teach concepts, but they kick students out of the, the building on Saturdays and be like, go talk to wherever the hell you think your customers are, call them up, go meet them, ask them questions. And it just kind of put it in my head, like talk to customers. Same thing we did with the summit. First off, I would try to talk to as many people as I can about it. Be mindful that not everyone is your customer. Not everyone. Some people are going to be nice. Like your mom's going to be like, that's a great idea. But talk to somebody that you think would be honest and be open to feedback because that will shape whether you are building something which has value to people, especially if the people that you're talking to are your customers. Second, I would not be afraid to share what you're doing because no one gives no one gives a shit about your idea. Like my idea for Summit, not that you, nothing I've done is unique at all. This is the fact I'm doing it and I make a ruckus about it. It's you sharing it and showing your journey of doing it gives you opportunity, gives you inbound. And somebody might like, I like what you're doing. Let's connect. I get that a few times a week easily. Somebody's like, oh, I saw your stuff. Can we connect? And I think... I can't tell them how to build a successful business on top of it. But those two things create so much inbound and feedback that you over time figure out this is what people want and you actually learn how to build it. It's great. Uh, what about, um, you know, I'm a pretty well-traveled person, but I have never been to pa Pakistan. Maybe give us a little idea of, you know, what it's like there. Can get hot. <laughs> That's hotter, hotter than here in Texas. Uh, uh, yeah, same. Same, really. Uh, very different, like, oh my God, society there is... Have you been in Asia or like places where there's a lot more family structure? So I've been a couple of places. Uh, yeah, so I actually say this family structure, most of the places that I've been have been like Central America that have mm -hmm. uh, amazing family structures that are quite different than here. Um, I've been like Qatar and stuff uh, and I've been to China, but you know, that's those are... I wouldn't say that I got enough glimpse of the, in the life of a, a normal person there in those places. Yeah. What's the stark, the starkest difference is the mindset of people. It goes from in America, it's much more individualistic and in places like Pakistan, it's just more collective. You don't think just for yourself. It's not just my dreams and ambitions. It's like what I can do for the people around me. Not always in a, I want to do it, but sometimes you kind of feel obliged to, work with your cousins, support your family, because that's how everybody thinks. But outside of that, I went to an all-boys cadet-style school for 12 years. We had houses like Harry Potter. We had, uh, it was a 150-year-old school, and I was prefect for a time, but it was, it was dope growing up with the same 100 to 150 dudes playing sports. Um, my school had an entrance exam, which had swimming in it, which was weird. I got traumatized because of that, but I really enjoyed my time over there and I would go back if it had the societal permeability that the USS, which is I can connect with really anybody, any company CEO, if I can get to them and pitch them, they'll talk to me easily and I can go from one place to another and like go up the, not the ranks, but just be a prominent figure in any industry. Back there, it's, that's not the case. I feel society's a little bit more closed off uh, people are more guarded and it's just not as much fun. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's just interesting, you know, and one of the things is, is all over the world, it's, it's different, you know, and, um, you know, the U.S., I feel like we always, you know, so much, there's so much pride here, which is a good thing in most, most, of the, most of the time. But one of the things that I, I think a lot of people forget that, like, look, we do have a lot of opportunity here. You can go do what you want to do. Now, there's could be a lot of limiting beliefs and there is still family structures there, too. I think one of the big ones right now is the whole go to school thing where mm-hmm. a lot of people probably shouldn't go to college that might not, that, you know, might be a really good welder or something. Right. But, um, or, or maybe just a salesperson, like if you're just going to be a normal salesperson, going to school might not be the best use of that, uh, money. But, um, so there's still societal pressures, but you know, you can change from what you do one year to the next pretty easily here. Um, might take some hard work. Um, so, or a lot of it. Yeah, or a lot of hard work. But, it, uh, yeah. but but the opportunities there, which to me is the most exciting thing about yep. uh, living in this time period. Because I think that the internet has given so many people that opportunity to do what what they want to do. Um, so kind of a wrap up here, kind of the last question I ask everybody. Um, how would you like to be remembered? You've got some serious ass live questions in there, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know, honestly. Like, I I think like my family and friends. I just want them to know the people who come to, who would want to come to my funeral. I hope that I can just be thought of like I had a positive impact in their life by showing them that they could actually be and do things that they want, and give them the tools to actually do it. And like, of course, that would be customers to people that I help through coaching. But that's it. I don't necessarily want my company to be this. Who cares what the company does? Honestly, after I'm dead, the people that I helped, they're like, oh yeah, that person has a po- had a positive way, uh, change in a pivot in my life. And that really helped. And I am happy because of that changed. Not just because of me, that would be too grandiose, but I don't have a lot of grandiose shit. I, I'm ambitious, but when it comes to things like being great, or having a huge legacy? I don't know. Maybe ask me in 20 years, I might have a very different answer. And I would tell my 29-year-old self, you're an idiot. <laughs> well, cue it up here in 10 years. So, uh, <laughs> well, Moby, it was a fantastic pleasure to have you on the Thank podcast. I'm very excited to be on the online summit here. And what, what we got, like two weeks from now? Oh, don't uh, tell me. Uh, it's coming up quick. Um, I think we'll have to have a check-in to see where we're at uh, after after the summit, see if the if your life has got the positivity that it still has right now, uh, I think it's going to be two X the, the amount, but that's uh, so um, I think it's very exciting, but I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate you inviting me on being a part of that summit. And I'll put this on the record. You have some dope suits, by the way. I saw your Instagram. Those are <laughs> yeah. dope. Yeah, man. I, it's, uh, you know, it, what's so funny is that headshot that I have. This is for everyone out there that says, oh, my God, I can't afford a suit that I bought at Goodwill. So uh, it's my favorite well, suit. Beautiful. It's perfect. Didn't even have to tailor it. Got lucky, of course. But uh, anyway, that's uh, amazing. You get lucky sometimes. All right, man. Cheers. Cheers.